You're listening to audio from Cornerstone Church. We hope you're encouraged by the following message. Let's jump in. So today I'm going to share this message with you, and we're in this series entitled Mirror, Mirror, okay? And this is all about relationships, which I think is very timely, seeing as how, you know, you can't hide from people right now, as much as a lot of people tell you you should. You can't hide from people. You have to work, you have to do things, you have to relate to people, okay? But in this relational series that we're doing, I'm going to talk to you today a little bit about the idea of letting people in. And for some of you, you need to let people in again. So America is, is one of the few nations that do this. We are very isolated in our relationships. Even in our, in our, our home life, we are. But we are very isolated in our relationships. And social media has only done, and I'm not picking, we use social media, we we. We're on live right now, streaming somewhere on something. I mean, you know what I mean? We, I, people watch it. As a, it we'd use it. But what I'm saying is, if that, that component has only distanced our relationships, because now we think we can handle it through just texting or, or, or a screen time, that's not the same as real one-to-one facial and face relationship time. It's totally different. So there's something called letting people in. And I'm, I'm taking a lot of this content from a, from a book, I don't have time to get into all of it, but if you want to read a good book and you, you struggle with letting people in, it's a great book, which any of them you want to get by Henry Cloud is just fantastic, but Dr. Henry Cloud has a great book. He's a Christian, a psychologist, leader, you know, helps pastors, leaders everywhere, but it's called uh, Changes That Heal. It's a great book, and I don't have time to get into all of that, so if you want to read a great book on relationships and how to help you, not help, now listen, not help fix your spouse, I'm talking about helping you, take a look at that book and, and read that. So today I'm going to share with you a little bit, though, about how to let people in. Letting people in is something we would call, and psychologists call this, and I know you think, well, I thought I was at a church. You are. But, you know, the number one thing I get asked about is not about end times. It's about relationships. Bottom line. Help me get along with my family, my spouse, my boss is a jerk. It's very few percent ask me about deep theological things. So this idea of letting people in, it's called simply the term called bonding. You know, it sounds weird. I know you probably look at me like, what are we going to talk about today? Kind of a bonding. So let me show you a little bit how this kind of works. This is me. I'm going to show you this first picture here. And this is me back, um, well, there we go. Look at that. Now, I'm not a doctor, you might think. I might, I might have could have played a doctor, though. Well, you know. Well, I don't know what the new stuff is on now, but anyway. I was going to say ER, but that kind of dated me. Only people that laughed is those who remember it. And my ear is like, what's, what's the ER? I don't get it. What's that about? So this is me back when Ava was about to be born, our first child. And so go to the next slide here. <clears throat> this is her. Look at that cute little thing. It's a cute little thing. That's 13 going on almost 14 years ago right about now. So look at that little baby. Go to the next one there. I'm, I'm rolling through this. You'll see what I'm there. There's her with her mama. That's about a year old, I think. Big old grin. Look at that. Go to the next one there. Let's see what this is. This is us. I think we took her on our... First cruise, I think, was there. I think she might have been about two and a half, maybe two and a half, somewhere in there, maybe th- maybe three, I don't know. But then go to the next one there. <clears throat> oh, this is, uh, watch this. She's about four here. I don't, know if you, I don't guess you guys have the audio. Okay, just keep watching. I told her, hey, put that down. Oh, here we go. This will make more sense now that you hear the song. There we go. 
Oh, just wait for it. She's not done. Look at that. Shake it, girl. Shake it. Woo! She wants you to look out, look out. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like nonstop. All right, that's good. It's just repeating. But, but that's probably like four, maybe three-ish, four. It has to be four because Piper, I mean, because Julia Kate was born. So it was like four right there. Yeah, so uh, she liked to dance. This is her and her mama doing a color run. She's maybe five-ish, I guess. I don't know. Maybe the next slide. I had to get permission from Haley to show some of these. <laughs> so here's her with birds. This is a gallon bird. I think she might have been first grade, second grade. I can't remember now. Next slide up. This is her. She's getting a little bit older there. Julie Kate, obviously, you know, a couple years there. Then the next slide. I'm doing this for a reason. So here's her getting some braces. That was She thought that was fun until she got them on. Sunglasses are cool until then. There he is. Yep, dance a little more. You can see it. Don't stop. She keeps dancing. I'll go to the next one there. Now, this is her. Oh, braces were off first phase. <laughs> let me just say, no, no, no. Time, in case you don't have kids yet, let me just break this down for you. My good friend, Joe, he prepared me for this. But there you go. My, you know, anybody, raise your hand if you know what I'm saying right about. Yep, two, two means, you know what that means. It's, there's a two-phase process to braces. Don't think because you got one off. You think, whoo. No, that's not, you coming back for another round. Just hang on. So anyway, this first round's off. She was so excited. I hated to break through her. You're going for another round. I started getting baptized. Yeah, that was fun. That was fun. She's getting older. Go ahead to the next one. This is her. We was at, I don't know where we was, man. Car on display. She wanted to jump in it. That's when she told me, like, I think the next year, Dad, when I get a car, when I start driving, can I get an Audi? Uh, y'all, y'all know how much the, no, you ain't getting an Audi. You're getting a Honda Accord, maybe. <laughs> 1988. That's her with her mama there. <clears throat> Going to the next one. This is her playing guitar. She was jamming out of the house. I guess Andre was babysitting. That's her car. I don't even know where was we. <laughs> that's, a, that's our sitter's car. So we must, that's Piper. So anyway, go to the next one. And uh, that's just riding horseback for her birthday, I think, last year. I think that's all. Uh, I think that's all. So I'm showing you that because watch this. That child, she trusts us because time has gone on. You know, when we first had her, babies don't know so much about what's going on. They've been protected for so long in the womb, and as soon as they come out, they're freaking out. That's why they scream and cry and spit and stuff goes everywhere because everything just changed in their world in a major way. And a child grows in something, and you don't have to have a Christian home for this to take place. All you have to have is a is a home in which there is care and nurture for a child. Emotionally, they begin to do something called bonding, especially to a mom, but we'll also do that to a dad. And over time, they, they bond close to family. And it doesn't matter, you can be naturally, biologically born into a family, you can be adopted into a family, it doesn't matter. Bonding will take place, but it takes place over a matter of time. You may be thinking, well, how does this apply to my life? Well, let me just kind of roll through a couple of things for you here. Bonding is letting somebody in. But if there is not a season of bonding, it makes it very difficult to let people in in the future. So if you didn't grow up in a home where you were able to bond to a mom and a dad, it makes it difficult when you join together with a spouse. 
And what you thought was, when we was dating, everything was cool. Like, what's up? Yeah, baby. You know, you're driving down the road, buying coffee and dating and whatever else. And then all of a sudden, two, three years into marriage, you're like, well, who are you? What happened to you? Why are you like, why are you freaking out about me leaving my socks out? Why are you getting mad? Because I let the cupboard door open. What are you doing with the toothpaste? Why don't you put the cap on? What's, why? Because all this stuff is small, small things. But it's stuff that happened years ago. And it affects when you come into a relationship. And a lot of people have a difficult time bonding in marriages with their future children because they themselves have never had a chance to actually do this themselves. It's letting people in. You ever met somebody, you talk to somebody, they're just, they just won't let you in? They just, they're guarded. There's a reason. Because no one ever let them in. And it's really hard to relate when you've never had this happen. But bonding is often confused with provision or protection, but it's not. You can provide for someone. That's not bonding. Just because you provide and bring a paycheck home and provide some food and some clothing, that is not bonding. That is called provision. The government does that for people too. That is not bonding. Bonding is much more than providing for you. or I can protect you all day long. That doesn't mean I'm connected to you. If I saw somebody beating you up, I'm not going to let them just keep I'm going to jump in. I might get my tail whipped too, but I'm not going to stand there and watch somebody just beat you down. I'm going to jump in and help you. That doesn't mean we're close. It just means I might protect you. So what is bonding? Listen, bonding is this. It's the ability to establish an emotional attachment to another person. And I know what you're thinking. What about God? We'll get there in a minute. But before you ever get to God, think about this. The Lord asks you to relate to him as a father. And the majority, I said the majority of America now, has a difficulty with that because we have father issues. And so before we ever start talking about God, we buy to break down and figure out why can't we relate to him as a daddy. But bonding is the ability to establish an emotional attachment to another person. It's when two people can relate to one another in a way that they can share. I'm not trying to be... Like, kumbaya, but just hang tight, listen to me. They can share their fears. They can share their dreams. They can share their hopes. And watch this. Without being afraid of being rejected. The problem today is, watch this and see what happens. You know, you have to be very careful with your kids because they got dreams and visions. My middle one said the other day, she's going to be a president. So I said, sounds awesome. I didn't say, well, they've never been a woman president before. Well, you know what? She might be the first one. You know what? And she'd probably be real good with it, too. She'd take some. She ain't no messing around. You know what I'm saying? She's kind of like black and white. Pow! It's like, she's straight up. If, you, if she says something, it's pretty much like, kind of like Haley in a way. If she tells you something is somewhere or she put it somewhere, it probably is. Just take her word for it, you know? No sense in arguing with her. I'm probably one of the only people that can win an argument with my middle child. Most people can't. She's just very, that's just how she is. So I said, you'd be a great president. I'm not going to tell her she can't do it. I'm not going to tell her because she's a girl. I'm not going to tell her because she's so young. She asked me questions. How old do you have to be? Why would it, you know, figure all this stuff out. She started learning. She knows how old you got to be. She knows what the requirements are. I think I'm going to do it. She might change her mind next week. That's okay. I didn't squash her little dream. Because every time you do that, especially when people are young, it, you're, you're rejecting them, 
And all they do is they turn inward and say, well, the last time I opened up, you rejected me. So I'm not going to open up to you again. Or someone opens up to you and they trust you with something that's very important and you don't hold that near and dear. You tell 20 other people about it. They will never share another thing with you and they will close themselves off because they have been rejected. And it's very real. Many of you in this room right now are probably sitting going like, yes, it's real. I've had it happen to me. But when we do not bond, we're all worried about coronavirus. Listen, when we do not bond with people, we have something called sickness in the soul. When you don't connect with humans in a real emotional level, it affects you in a way that we don't like to talk about. And I'm not trying to say everybody needs to have a kumbaya moment. I am saying, though, however, relational time with people is real. There's a process that God uses that works with people that he designed, and I'll show you that in just a second. But when we don't mind, we have a sickness in the soul. So then why is our need to bond so strong and why is our failure to bond so disastrous? Well, let me give you a couple of scriptures. Watch this. 1 John 4, 16. Watch this. We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love. And the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. Why do we need to bond? Because God created us in his image. And God is not alone. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. No matter what background you came from, they are one, the Trinity. <clears throat> they have relationship. And any time that we distance ourselves, watch this, from people, or the design that God put within us, which is to be relational with people, it creates failure. Because God never intended for you to be alone. That's why, matter of fact, he created man first. Do you remember the story in the Bible in Genesis? <laughs> I don't know what Adam was doing. You know, I don't know if he was setting off firecrackers in his hand. I don't know if he was eating mayonnaise after the expiration date. I don't know what Adam was doing. But the Bible says that God looked down and saw him and said, you know what? It's not good for man to be what? Listen, it's not good for a woman to be alone either. Y'all just probably don't do the goofy things we've done. That's just all it is to it. But it's not good for people to be alone. That's why we focus so heavily on small groups. Relational ministry is because there is something that happens in relational time together with ministry that I will never be able to accomplish preaching to you. It's a fact. It's a fact. You need relationships. You need people in your lives. Now watch this. In 1 John 4, 7, it says this. Beloved, watch this. Let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Let us love one another. Do you realize that you cannot do what the Bible says if you are alone? You can't. How can you love somebody else if you're never around someone else? You have to be engaged with other people. And the reality is love is the, it's the basic identity of God because God is love. But here's where the problem is. The problem is too many people think this, <clears throat> that, well, if I love them, I must be like God. That's American love is different than what the Bible calls who God is, and God is love. Look, man, you might, I love chocolate chip cookies. I love my wife. Are they the same? No. Mistake is exactly. She jumped in there before. You know, I, I made a mistake. I love my wife way more than chocolate chip cookies, okay? 
So I could keep coming just a little bit lower there. You know what I'm saying? Like, if they're, but of course you love your wife, your kids. You love them way more. Look, I love my car. I love my house. I love my whatever, my dogs, this and that and the other. But when it comes to God's love, God's love is not, well, I love them. I must be like God. Remember what we said last week, there's grace, truth, and time. You need all three. Watch this. Here's where the Christianity, we think that God's love is just loving people no matter what they do. Well, I just love them. You just got to love people. You got to walk in love. If one more Christian tells me to walk in love, I'm telling you right now, I'm not going to be walking in love. It's, it, it makes me want to vomit in my mouth the way we talk about it. I'm serious. Oh, well, you know, well, they're just going through a tough time. They're beating their wife, but you know, you got to walk in love. Are you crazy? That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Listen to that mess. Walking in love, love is not just excusing everything that goes on because they're a Christian. No, no, no. Sometimes you need truth. I'm sorry, but you cannot hit your wife, sir. But doesn't God forgive me? Doesn't God love me? He's crying and bawling. Oh, man, listen. We get some big old burly boy and knock you down a couple of times. And let's see how you feel about that. You know, I've often told people before, listen, they ever come at, hey, look, I got some friends. I got some fellas. I can't stand that stuff. And I can't stand when Christians make excuses for it. You need grace and truth. Now, you don't be mean, but you've got to confront it. You've got to be, look, you can't do this. This is wrong. But that's when Christians get all mad and say, well, you can't tell me what to do. You're trying to be all legalistic with me. No, that's God's love. Real God love. Have you ever read what he says about how angry he gets when people take advantage of people? Especially when you mess with widows or the orphans or the poor. When you take advantage of someone who can't do for themselves. Have you read in the Bible how he takes it personal? God's love is grace, yes, but it's also truth. It's both. So too many people have this idea, though, because they come from a human standpoint of love. But to love like God, watch this, is to understand who God is and what his love looks like. To love like God is to know what is his love like. So listen, I'm going to make a statement and then go on. Truth. Truth is held captive by God's love. It's a part of who he is. The Ten Commandments, the Old Testament, where it's never written because God was on a power trip and angry with the whole world and be like, let me just tell you. No, majority, if you read it, was done to help us. I mean, there are things in there like go bury your sewage out back, away from your house. We still do that today. You'll never hear a plumber say anything about, well, I just think that's legalistic. No, he'll say, you need a septic tank. It's a good thing. You don't want it to overflow. There's some basic stuff in the Bible that God did to help us. But it's very much truth. Listen to this. This is one of these truths. Listen to this. In Matthew 22 and verse 36. <clears throat> it says this. And look, I'm going to put up verse 36 for you. I'm reading from the screen and then I'm going to um, focus in on one part of this. Okay? The question is asked of Jesus. Teacher, <clears throat> which is the great commandment in the law? What's the greatest commandment in the law? He's going Old Testament on him. Okay? So Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul, and with all of your mind. That's what he says. This is the great and foremost commandment. Now, if he just left right there, then that guy would have felt pretty proud about himself. But this is what Jesus said next. The second, the second is like it. 
you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two commandments, Jesus said, depend or hang the whole law and the prophets. Everything hinges on love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And why is God saying that? He's telling you and telling me, you have got to have time where you bond with people. You can't love people unless you spend time with them. It is a biblical truth. So there's a guy, you read this in the story, this guy is in the story, and he was, he was a very prominent leader. He's a very, very well-known guy, very affluent in the city and community, and he did a lot of good things, but he would never open up to anybody. And so Dr. Cloud was talking to him. He said, you know, you're going to have to open up. And this is what he says. He says, I don't want to tell anybody about what goes on in my life. He said, why not? He said, you're going to have to. You've got to, let, you've got to talk about things. You can't just bottle it all up. You've got to share. And he said, I can't do that. I can't do that. He said, why not? He said, they're going to think something's wrong with me. So Dr. Klaus said, there is something wrong with you. It is amazing to me. This is the thing that I, I, I think we, we, the coronavirus has, has opened up a whole new different thought process for people. It is amazing how if I get physically sick, we blame it on a bug. We'll, we'll, oh, man, we'll tell everybody about all of our little ailments, won't we? Man, I turned my ankle yesterday. I came on. What did I do? I told Haley, man, what? Well, turned my ankle. I hurt. It's kind of hurt. It feels better now, but that hurt. We'll tell, hangnail. I got a hangnail. A splinter. We'll tell everybody about anything. Anything. I got a headache. Got a toothache. Got a footache. Got a wristache. Everything. I got, what? We'll tell about all of our issues physically, and we'll blame it on something else. But isn't it funny how when it comes to a mental or an emotional issue, it gets to be our fault. And is it any wonder why we won't tell anybody anything that's going wrong with us? You go to your doctor, imagine this, you go into the physician's office and he says, well, what's going on with you, boss? <sighs> Life's good. <laughs> Everything's great. Doing great. Yeah, well, what's all this running out your nose and your ears and your mouth and everything else? What, what, you don't look so great. No, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. Great. And the number one thing we say to people, in our community especially, I'm going to tie this in for you in a minute. I'm going somewhere. Just hang tight. I know sometimes I do this, so give me a little moment. I'm building a little bit of case so you can understand where I'm going. Isn't it funny how in our community this is what we say? We say to one another, hey, how are you doing? Fine. Come on, say it back to me. Like, you know you do this. Hey, how are you doing? Good. How are you? Good. And we walk away, and that's all we say. And everyone else, we're not fine. Very few of us in this room are fine. I mean, if you are, maybe after church, I'm going I'm to assign you a few things and you can help me around church, okay? Because I got, I mean, I'm not fine. I mean, I ain't falling apart, but I'm not fine. I've got stuff going on just like you do. It's funny, though. You would never do that to your doctor. You're paying him money to examine you. What's wrong with you? Oh, man, this is hurting. That's hurting. I'm sneezing, coughing, aching, everything else. Knuckles not helping. I need some help. Okay, let's write a prescription. Let's do this. Funny thing, though, the first, anybody asks you what's wrong with you? How are you doing today? We are so guarded, we refuse to let anybody in. And watch, it goes back to this idea, we don't know how to bond to people. Because we just won't let anybody in. And the reason why is because either we've been rejected before enough times that it hurts too bad, we won't do it again, or we just have never been taught how. So as I wrap up today, I want you to think about this. 
Why will we not? Because of the fear of rejection. And I can't tell you how many times I, I have had to learn this. And maybe for you, you've got your stuff all together. Maybe when you grew up in your home, it was like, <clears throat> you know, two-parent home, two cars in the garage, garage door closed. You had a little button for it. Flowers in the front, it was manicured lawn, white picket fence. You came in. It was always breakfast in the morning, lunch in your little lunchbox. You had the kind that was like all pretty and everything was all, you know, you went to school with your name and all and everything. And, you, you know, everything was great. And you came home, your mom was always there with snacks. And she had everything ready for you and the snacks were there. And now your, your night is just wonderfully worked because your homework was so easy for you. Just naturally just. <laughs> and you could do homework like nobody else, right? And then, like, by the end of the night, you just went to sleep. Like, you never got up in the middle of the night with issues. You just went straight to bed because your home was so great. Like, and you got up in the morning, and it was just the routine, and just glorious bliss. But for everybody else in the room, I've had to learn how to bond. Even in great home life, you still have to learn how to bond. I told my oldest daughter, one of the things Henry Clouds said, I think it's a great idea. Like, to talk to people. To share things. Because, listen, parents aren't always great. Matter of fact, we're not great. Let's just put it that way. I told my, my oldest, and I tell this, I know I'm not a great dad all the time. <laughs> Most of the time. Not all the time. But I don't mind you talking about issues that are going on. I don't mind you telling, get it out of your system. My dad was a jerk today. Well, man, I mean, tell me so. I don't want to be the jerk next week. But, like, I don't mind you. We're so afraid sometimes of talking about anything because we're afraid, well, what are people going to think about my little home life? It's like, no, to be a pretty little Christian box like I want it to be. I hate to tell you. Everybody knows your home ain't a Christian box like you think it is. It is a real home. So anyway, to share, we don't because of the fear of rejection. So let me share two things, and this is only take just a few minutes here. I've only got one more scripture for you. So how then? Pastor Jody, how how can I do this in a safe way? in a way that I can trust people? First and foremost, listen, you got to be rooted and grounded, first of all. The Bible says this in Ephesians 3.14. Verse 14, let me put it on the screen for you, and I'll read that in just a minute. <clears throat> for this reason I bow my knees before the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and I pray that <clears throat> from every earth, family in heaven on earth derives his name, and I pray this, this is what my prayer is, that he would grant you according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus that you be strengthened by his spirit in the inner man, in the inner man. So that, why? So that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. That you, watch, that you would be rooted and grounded in what? Love. It's the thing that separates us from every other species. You're made in his image. God is love. So what does rooted mean? It means in the sense of being firmly planted or established. It's what you do. When you root a plant, you, you put it in the earth, you, you root it, you, you get it in there, and once it's in there, it takes root. It begins to, over a period of time, it begins to take root, right? That's exactly what's going to take place when you begin to open up and have a relationship with people. It will not happen overnight. You've got to be willing to stay rooted long enough for the process to happen. Too many people can't do that. If somebody touches a sore spot, they're like, oh, I'm out. Oh, don't you dare ask me about that. And just get out. Whoa. And the more you uproot, 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 the less opportunity to open up and actually let people in. Be rooted. Second thing is, <clears throat> the word grounded, it means to lay a foundation. 
to found, to have a sub-construction of a building. Look, watch this. You would never think of putting a plant in a dark room and expecting it to grow. You would never take a plant, put its roots in the ground, then chop it off and sit the plant on the table and say, let's watch this grow. You would never stick a plant in a pot and, and refuse to water it. We all know this about horticulture, but when it comes to human relationships, this is what we do. We, we isolate from everything that gives growth and life. <clears throat> and all these come, really, when you isolate yourself, all this stuff, hatred and evil, it all comes to the idea that I can grow alone. It's exactly what happened with Adam and Eve when they said, I'm done. When they looked out there and said, I'm done listening to God, I, that fruit, I know he said not to, but I got to have that. The moment they did that, they removed themselves from the life that God had given them. And they isolated themselves. <clears throat> and God is telling us in his scripture and in his word, you need other people, not just God. If you just needed God, he would have never established his body. It's a funny thing, but it's all throughout Scripture. The body of Christ. One is the eye. If there's no eye, where would be the seeing? If there's no nose, where would be the smelling? There's the body of believers for a reason. So, this is why a broken relationship is the primary focus of the gospel. Let me read this to you from Colossians 1. We'll wrap up. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 19. This is why a broken relationship is the primary focus of the gospel. It's about reestablishing what was lost by Adam and Eve back to God the Father through Jesus Christ. Listen to what Colossians says. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him. That's talking about Jesus. And through him to reconcile all things to himself. Reconcile all things to himself. Having made peace through the blood of his cross. He goes on to say this. Though through him I say whether things on earth or things in heaven. And although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him holy and blameless beyond reproach. He has reconciled you. He took the time to buy you back and reconcile you. Why did he do that? I'm going to back up and show you now why I showed you pictures of my kid growing up like in... Super fast time. He did that because you're supposed to do the same thing with God that you do as a child. My kid, I can tell you. See, I'll, I'll give you a quick synopsis of those pictures. I could give you story after story after story about those photos. I remember the birds on her shoulders and what was going on and how long it took. See, you see that picture there. What you didn't see was the backdrop to that story which was like, these birds are going, bah, 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 bah. you know, kind of, she's like, I don't want to do it, I don't want to do it. I said, be cool, let's, let's take a picture. Be cool. Bah, you know, she's like, Dad, I don't want to do it. And so by the time she gets over here and you see the snapshot, it's been like 15, 20 minutes of like fear of these like parrots going to eat her ear off or something. So she's standing there like this and it looks like she's going like this, but instead she's going, she was so tense, her hands were like this. Because she was afraid of them. And I don't blame her, they were weird looking birds. I could tell you story after a story like that, do you know why? Because we have a bond. All you got was the image. All you got was an image of something that happened, and you think you know the story, but you don't know the story. 
I know the story of when she's smiling with her mom, where that was and why. I know the story of when I was in that little garbs and what I was looking like. I'm glad the face mask was on because I was thinking, this is the wrong date. We were supposed to have three more weeks. It's not supposed to happen today. I was freaking out. I didn't have the bag packed like I was supposed to. She told me to have it ready. <laughs> Doc said three more weeks. I didn't know he was going to have complications, have a baby early. He's supposed to be. I mean, I was planned out three weeks. When are we going to have the baby? His first baby, I didn't know. They didn't come when they said they was going to come. I thought, no, she showed up early. I know all about that. When in my mind, when I first held her, I know all the thoughts that went through my brain. Oh, wow, this is gross. <laughs> Not what I thought. <laughs> Just honest, being honest, every one of them's been gross. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's just part of it. Can't have kids yet? I'll be honest with you, man. People tell you, oh, it's wonderful. No, it's gross first. It's, at first, it's gross. Then it gets better. But you know what? As I sat there, everything went through my brain like, oh, my goodness, oh, my goodness, oh, my goodness. Like, I'm going to have a kid now. I got a kid. Well, no, I got a kid now. I got to pay for this kid. What if, she's got to eat. What if I drop her? What if I don't feed her right? What if, like, you know. Yeah, all kind of crazy stuff goes in your mind. Like, what? And then he goes to college, marriage. You're thinking all kind of crazy stuff. You're barely holding her, and you're thinking all this other stuff. Why? It's all story behind that. Watch this. But we have a bond over time. It took time to get to the place right now where she trusts me enough as her daddy to relate to her and know that I'm for her, I'm not against her, I will never reject her. I will apologize when I'm wrong. And I am wrong sometimes. She understands it because of time. Now watch this. It's the same thing that God asks you and I to do. Every one of those photos, what did I just do right then? I gave you a memory. I reminded myself by talking about it, but I gave you a memory that I already knew. When you plot photos, what do you do, really, when you're looking at them? Aren't you going back down memory? It's <clears throat> exactly why we do them. Now watch this. The same thing is true with God and with other people right now. It's called remember. I'm going to ask our worship team to come up, and I want you to listen to me. Very clear. As they come up, don't pay attention to them. Listen to me. Remember. Maybe... You didn't have a childhood that grew up where you could really bond with a parent real well, so you can't do that right now very well with God. But here's what God is asking you to do. In the natural, this is how it works. You bond naturally over time. If you didn't have that growing up, then listen, you've got to develop that because what happens is your emotions and your soul of who you are that God created to have a relationship will stay stuck in the part that's undeveloped. It's a psychological and clinical and neuroscience fact. It is. You, break it down a little bit for you. You want to know why your husband acts like he does sometimes, ladies? It's because he's still stuck at 12 years old when his daddy did something. Never been healed of it. You want to know why, guys, why your wife acts like this? Because maybe she didn't have this opportunity as a little girl. And maybe she wanted to be president. I don't know. And somebody told her, you're crazy. Some friends said, you'll never be, you can't be president. You're not smart enough. So forever they think. These are real things. And so what happens when you get in relationship with God, God says, come unto me, 
all of you who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. But we don't come to God because why? We've never learned how to attract or connect with people. Therefore, we see God as just one more person who will reject us. And God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And the way that you bond with God, the way you bond with people, it's the same thing. You do it by remembering, and this is what God tells us to do. This is so cool in the scriptures. If you go and just look it up, you can Google this, you can do it in Bible software, whatever. If you go look it up, this is what you're going to find. Look up the word remember and watch how many times you're going to see things pop up. Remember, it was the Lord thy God. When he was talking to the children of Israel, remember, it was the Lord thy God. It was me who brought you up out of Egypt, out from under the bondage of slavery. Why does he do that? So that you will go back and say, I may not be connecting so great right now, but I can go back and remember, you know what? He did bring me out of slavery. Translate that into you and I. Remember that it was Jesus Christ who died for you and gave himself for you so that your sins would be forever cleansed and done away with, so that you could have righteousness in God and in through Christ Jesus, and you could have a relationship with God. Remember that it was not your sins that is so great, but it is his grace and his forgiveness and his blood that was shed for you. That is the thing that we focus on, not on all the things we did wrong, but all the things that he did right. He goes on to tell other stories like this. Do you remember when Moses was there? God was talking to Joshua. Moses has gone on, but God tells Joshua something very, very interesting. He says, look, you remember this, Joshua. As I was with Moses, so shall I be with you. Remember that it's the Lord thy God. When you start having success and affluence and things are going well for you, don't you forget that it's the Lord thy God that gives you the power to get wealthy. Do you, do you remember how many times he says, don't you dare forget the covenant of the Lord thy God. Remember him. Go back. And sometimes this is why we read our Bible is so we go back and remember what Jesus has done for us. That you don't forget and start focusing on coronavirus. You're like, ah, no, no, no. We remember no plague shall come near my dwelling. I remember. You know what? He got me out of that. I made it through that. I'll make it through this. It may sound crazy to you right now, but listen. Most of you know our situation and stuff, but you know what? This time is easier. Do you want to know why? Because our house, he got us through the first flood. That one was really hard. I got to be honest. That set me back. I checked out. Mentally, that messed me up. But this one, it's not, I'm not saying it's a joy ride, but it's easier. You know why? Because watch. He did it before. He's going to do it again. We don't like to go through stuff. We don't like to go through trials or tribulations or issues. But watch, when he brings you out of it, guess what it does to your faith? All of a sudden, I've got some stamina I didn't have before. I'm a little bit stronger now. And I'm able to come alongside you. This is why we bond with one another. I'm able to come along with you. And you're going through an issue that I've been through. And I say, you know what? He was faithful. He was faithful. And he got me through it. He's going to get you through it too. And I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to be there. What do you need? How can I help you? But if you never bond with people, you can never really bond with God either. It's his method of growth and transformation. So this morning, I want you to close your eyes and bow your head just for a moment where you are. You're here today and say, listen, and maybe I touched on a button. Maybe I bothered you. Maybe it's an issue going on there that you say, man, I need to bond, but I don't know how. I need to let people in my life, Pastor Joe. I know I do. I know I need to let people in. I'm, I am alone. 
and I need to let people in my life, but I don't know how. And I hear what you're saying about, man, relationships, and I hear what you're saying about man, remembering, and I hear what you're saying about being rooted. And I know it's going to take some time, but I just want you to pray for me that I have the strength to do this. Paul said, I pray. I bow my knees before the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ that you might be strengthened by his spirit in the inner man. Why would he do that? Because we need strength to go through difficult seasons, strength to make difficult choices. So right where you are, I'm going to pray for you. I want you just to receive this prayer, man. Just if this is you, just like, just let the Lord just minister to you right now. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we come before you today. And God, I ask you to move on our hearts. Lord, I pray that I pray that people here would hear a message that is not designed to make them think about their psychological side of life so much, but they would hear, God, your method, because everything in the world only proves who you are. And so, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would minister to people right now. God, give strength by the Spirit and the inner man. There are those in here right now, that God, they need to make a connection with people in their church so that they might be healed. James says, pray for one another. Ask for forgiveness. It means to let go of things. It means to give things to one another so that you might be healed. The Bible says confess your faults. Sometimes we don't want to talk about it, but there's some of you in this room, you don't need to go to everybody. But you need some good close friends that you can say, listen, I made a mistake. James, confess your faults, he says, to one another so that you might be healed. So whoever you are in this room, you don't need to tell everybody, but you need close relationships. In Jesus' name, Father, I pray that you give, design those relationships in this room, whether it be through small groups, through Catch the Vision, through a women's event, through a men's event, or kids' ministry, youth ministries, whatever it is, God, I pray in the name of Jesus you would do that. If you're here today and you don't know Christ, you say, I'm without faith in Christ. I don't know Jesus. I want to pray for you right now. The whole church is going to pray. You're not going to be by yourself when you pray. We're going to pray together with you. But if that's you, pray this out loud with us right now. Say, dear Jesus, I come to you today and I give you my life. I give you my heart. I ask you to forgive me and cleanse me of all unrighteousness. Jesus, I make you the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. We hope you were blessed by today's message. If so, feel free to pay it forward and share this podcast with someone else. Thanks for listening.